All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm one of the missionaries here. This is our last Sunday with you guys, and they've let me come up and share with you from the Word. Uh, next week, we're going to get out to California, and then we're going to go to Papua New Guinea for a year. So I'm excited to share with you. I do have a request. I need someone to be a reader of the Scriptures this morning. If someone could raise their hand and volunteer as the Scriptures need to be read, you'll be the one reading this morning. So uh, anybody, don't all jump at once. Anybody, R- raise your hand. Who? Okay, there we go. Amy over here. She'll read on the screen when we come up. So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you can turn your Bibles or turn on your phone and get to 1 Peter chapter 5, um, that's where we're going to be in this morning. Now, Peter is writing to believers. He is writing to people who believe that Jesus Christ is their sacrifice. Now, we took communion this morning. We're very blessed to be on this side of the blood sacrifice. Because before the blood sacrifice of Jesus was given, what did they have to do? Who can tell me? What did they have to do for 4,000 years? Sacrifice animals. They had to sacrifice lambs. Starting with God, he made the first sacrifice, and he killed the first animal and covered Adam and Eve with the skins, and so on down with Abel. And Cain didn't bring a sacrifice. He brought fruit. And God says, no, you come to me through the death of another. On and on it goes, thousands and thousands of years. Now we're on this side, and we look back and see Jesus died on the cross to be the final sacrifice. You see, before we believed that truth, before I believed that Jesus was my sacrifice, I was called an enemy of God. That's how I was born into this world. I want to make sure we start with the good news first before we get to the greater news for the children of God. And the good news is that, you know what? God saw that we were all enemies. That's how we're born into this world, because our, our father Adam was. Great, 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 great times 10 father Adam was. And all of us need a sacrifice to pay for our sin, and that was Jesus. And if you believe that Jesus is your sacrifice, this is what we do now. We don't bring a lamb to our altar anymore. Jesus has already been there. And with joy, we take the cup in honor of his blood that was shed and eat the bread, thanking him. This is such good news now, guys, to be on this side of it. Peter is writing to those of us who took communion this morning. He's writing to those of us who've now become children of God, who believe that Jesus is a sacrifice. And when you believed, he said, I gave you my Holy Spirit to guide you. Peter says, I'm writing to you. Peter's about to die. He references that in these letters. He says, "I'm, I'm going. It's been a good, long race for the king. But I'm about to go, and I want to remind you of some key things. First, he tells them, praise the Lord, you guys obeyed the good news. And on down it goes. But now he has a message for the leaders in the church. And so we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. We're going to have that read now. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. If you're a child of God and you're a male species in this room, God has called us all to be leaders. He's called us all to be leaders. Whether you're an elder or a deacon, somewhere in the body of the children of God, you are supposed to be a leader. And he's saying to you who are elders, now there's some who are appointed elders 
And we have some elders here. You saw Dan earlier. We've appointed them as the shepherds of the sheep. We're called the sheep. We have shepherds. And he says, I want to talk to you guys, the leaders. And he said, I was a witness to the sufferings of Christ. I love that little point because he says, I was there. You know, this was written about 30 years after Jesus died on the cross and that whole thing happened. There was probably propaganda saying, you know, I'm not sure this Jesus life that he had really happened. They were doubting it. Jesus, uh, Peter's old, probably with some grayer hair, and he's saying, I was there. I was a witness. I saw it. I'm not only just an elder, I was there. I touched him. I saw his glory. You guys, don't miss this. It really happened. He's really real. He's really the Messiah because they had thousands of Messiahs back then. Picture this. They knew the Messiah was coming. So some guy gets the idea. I'll say I'm the Messiah. That, those were the get rich quick schemes back then. Just say I'm the Messiah. Y'all follow me. And then he dies. But he said, no, no, no. Among all the thousands of fake messiahs. He really was the one. I was there, and I have something to tell you. You who are elders, I want you to care for the flock under your care. That's your job, to shepherd them like a shepherd, shepherd sheep. You know what I'm saying. Cares for sheep. In Yembe, when we started to train up our elders, we said we have about five years. Hopefully in five years, we'll get some elders out of you. We didn't say it like that. But that was in our minds. We said, first place we start to look is in your family. Because we said, your family is your flock that you're caring for. It's your little sheep's, sheep, that's the plural verb, yeah. Sheep, your family, your children are your sheep. If you're a dad, your children are your little flock. This is your practice ground that we want you to look at. So all, all fathers, if you're a father in here, all fathers have been entrusted with a flock to care for. In 1 Timothy, it says, if you manage well the house that you have, now we're going to give you the bigger house of God, the sheep. And that is your training ground. And so I want you as dads right now in your mind, I want you to list off and name off the sheep in your flock, the daughters and the sons you have. I did this and it was powerful. It's like all of a sudden my workload in my mind, double. I'm not just a dad who puts food on the table and a roof over their heads. No, I have another responsibility to them. I am, when he says care, it's not just give them food and give them the iPhone, take them to Disneyland. No, he's saying spiritually, spiritually, I want you to be the truth messenger for me. I want you to be your eyes, your face, your body language, your words. It's going to be me to them. You are the spiritual leader of the home. That's what it means to care for them. Don't do it grudgingly like, oh, I have to do this. <sighs> I don't know. If, there was probably, I've seen elders. You know, all right, no one else wants to be an elder. I guess I will. All right, put my name in the hat. No, that's not the kind of attitude we want for an elder or a leader eager to serve God, eager to do what you want me to do. Because some fathers, unfortunately, you get the participation award. I don't know. I, I got the participation, participation award in um, fourth grade and uh, for being in the sports team. Everyone got one because you're on the team. Never won a race, never even got third place, but I participated. 
Unfortunately, many fathers, all you're going to get at the end of your life is a participation award. When you look at this, he says, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader. How are you going to be remembered by as a dad? The one who shepherded well your little flock? Or he was the guy, he always loved his fishing trips. He loved his boat. He loved his man cave. He loved his work. What are you going to be remembered by as a father? He has given you, all fathers, a job to shepherd the flock. Okay, next one. Verse 3 and verse 4. Let's read it. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Do not lord it over. Okay, so as elders, the elder, so Dan's not supposed to come up here and say, okay, you walk with God, you do this, because I'm the elder. You make me my noon meal. Okay, you ladies over there get my evening meal. That'd be, that'd be kind of foolish, wouldn't it? For the elder to say, okay, you guys come and serve me. It's not to lord it over. No, you're the servant. But unfortunately, us dads, we get thinking we're the center of our kingdom in our home. And the TV is our throne. Or sitting in front of our throne. It's totally opposite. I'm the man. I'm the big kahuna. This is my house. And it really shows up in how you respond when you get interrupted. When you're out working on the car. Or you're watching your favorite Netflix. Three hours in, watching your Netflix. Tinkering on your phone. And you get interrupted. What's your response to little, your little son or daughter that comes in or, or even your big son or daughter that comes in? Can't you see I'm working? I'm busy watching the game. Don't bug me. I'm having my me time. I think me time is the most satanic thing you can have. But our culture has coined it as a phrase. It's okay to have me time. When you get interrupted in your time, how do you respond? Because that shows you, are you lording it over them? Or are you leading by your own good example? You see, you're discipling your children with your body language, with what you do. Okay, here's a story. My son was talking to my wife, Courtney. I overheard them in the kitchen, and he was very disrespectful to her. So I went into the room. I said, you don't disrespect your mom that way. You don't treat her that way. We respect the women in our lives, especially your mom, number one. You go back and apologize. So he did. <laughs> I love God's humor, because one hour later, God showed me where he learned that from. He has got to be laughing all the time. We're like every one of us, the biggest comedy acts to God. Because we say one thing and do another every day. So I'm in the, in the, same, in the kitchen. All right, I'm standing by the counter and I'm talking to Courtney. I say, why did you do that? Oh, that was dumb. Man, what were you thinking? On and on. Like it wasn't, it just kept going on and on. And finally she turned to me. She's like, Tim, that hurts. And it was like the rooster crowed at that moment. Three times. Say they learned it from you, Tim. 
And I look right in that moment when I think, oh my goodness, Judah learned that from dad, how to disrespect his mom that way. I look over, it was totally a God moment. Who is standing there watching their dad be the example? Elijah and Judah. That's where they learned it. I say, Lord, please remove all the blocks so they can have a spiritual relationship with you, God. So Elijah will walk with you and Judah will walk with you. Show me where the, block, where the blocks are. There's a big five foot nine block standing right in front, of, in front of me, Tim, and it's you. They're learning about me through you. Lead by your own good example. Elders, starts in the home. When the great shepherd appears, you're going to receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. We're accountable to him. If you want to know what kind of dad I am, just go and take my son out for lunch. Or just watch him play up here on the stage. Watch him interact. Because that will tell you what kind of dad I am. If you've seen the son, you've seen the father. You've seen the father, you've seen the son. We disciple our children, whether we realize it or not. I can say, don't text while you're driving. But when I've done it, not wanting to break the law, but when I've done it, the Lord convicted me. He said, Tim, you're not supposed to do that. And then the kids would say, Dad, you're not supposed to do that. They're like, you're right. But what I normally do as a dad, don't talk to me like that. Don't point out one of my mistakes. I'm never wrong. The Lord showed me, you know, someday, Tim, you are texting while you're driving. Your son's going to be 16 someday. Well, Dad got away with it. I saw him do it once in a while for 10 years. He gets in an accident because he was texting. Where do you think he learned that from? Where do you think he got the go-ahead for that? Okay. They're my letter of recommendation to you. That's the second thing. Watch my children. They're my letter of recommendation. Paul says, you want to know who I am? Look at the people I've been working with. Look at my children. Look at my wife. They should radiate with love because they're being loved by their dad and their husband. That should be a hallmark of your family. You should be able to stand Courtney up here and you'll be able to tell just in the few words she says what kind of husband I am because they reflect me to an extent. My children and my wife reflect me and what kind of father and what kind of man I am. Okay, more is coming. Let's go. Next verse, verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Opposes you, Father, you arrogant man. He opposes you. He's like a Satan. That's where our word for Satan comes in the Greek. He opposes you when you think, I'm the dad, I got this. I'm going my own way. I can make this happen. He opposes you. He says, I bless you when you're humble. So how do you humble yourself? I've been asking God this for years. How do I humble myself? One way is to acknowledge your mistakes in your family. So you, after I did that to Courtney, they're standing there. I didn't do it perfectly. I said, oh, boys, can you give us a minute? I would have been better. I would have been the rock star had I apologized right there in the moment. 
But I asked him to leave. I said, you're right. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Do you know what the sting was after that? When the spirit said, now go into the bedroom and tell your sons that you taught them how to disrespect their mother and that you're sorry and that you're going to ask me to change you so that you're a better example lead. So I went back there and apologized. They got these smiles on their faces. We do. Just waiting for you to acknowledge. Your kids know your mistakes. Come on. Who are you hiding from, men? Those are real men. Not the one who farts the loudest, burps the loudest, has the nine pack, dresses up like Batman, has his man cave, Star Wars pajamas. That's not a man. A man acknowledges his mistakes. There's a powerful thing that happens when you, the man, say, I was wrong. But most men don't. And that's where why I think many of you are just in this block with the Lord. The Lord's like, I want to talk with you, but we got to talk about this. We got to acknowledge your mistake. Because your family sees it. But you think they don't? I, wanna, I, want, you to, I want you to acknowledge this. That's how I humble myself. All right, the Lord humbles me. Some of you, your, your, your kids are grown. And I'm talking to you. You know, your kids are out of the house. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm in the story with my dad. So I was addicted to pornography for 11 years. Okay, until about 19 what I didn't know is my dad was addicted for about 30 years. He was secretly looking at pornography as I was a kid. Here's my message to you dads. Your secret sins are shepherding your children too. You think they're not affecting your children? You are wrong. Hiding it? Whatever it is. Finances, cheating on the taxes, cheating on your wife, your eyes are wandering, pornography. The stuff that they don't see you do is tearing them apart. I told my dad when I was 20, I think, or 19, I said, Dad, I, I've been doing this all this year, you know, all these years. I've, I've, I think I was clean only like eight months. And so he was bawling his eyes out with me, and I was bawling too. I'm like, wow, he's really happy that I'm having some freedom here. What I didn't know is he was crying because he thought he was protecting me by not telling me or trying to work it out on his own. He never told anyone he was dealing with this. Five years later, I'm 26, 27. I said, Tim, I have to talk to you. Okay, I'm out of the house. I'm married with children. I said, Tim, I've been addicted to pornography for 31 years. And I now know God was telling me, I, I had a part in you. I'm partly responsible, and I want, to know, I want you to know I take responsibility for that, and I'm sorry. And pray for me. I'm, for the first time, being public about this and getting help. That was such a powerful moment. I cried. He cried. Even if your kids are grown, and the Lord reveals to you your mistakes from the past, the most powerful thing you can do now as a 40, 50, 60-year-old, go back and say, you know what? I now see I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And however they respond to you, they respond, but there's something powerful about acknowledging your mistakes. 
There's something humbling about that. He's going to bless your humility. You think hiding your sins, helping everyone? It never will. There's a never for you. Hiding your sins, secret sins, because that's who you really are. You should be more concerned about your character than your reputation. Your reputation is what everyone thinks you are, but your character is who you really are. And God sees it, and he's trying to reform and make your character and form it up, but he can't because you keep hiding the secret sin that's killing you, and it's killing your children. That's the kind of shepherd you really are. Mr. Participation Award. Participation Award. That's humbling. In Exodus 20, verse 5, this still convicts me. He says, I lay the sins of the parents on the children, the third and fourth generation. When I'm at home and I'm still tempted to look at pornography, I still have that thought like, oh, they're, they're gone. Here's your chance, Mr. Missionary. No one's going to find out. Just one little click. No, I got to be that example of my kids now. Because what I do in secret, how I text, the mistakes I'm making now, it's gonna be, I'm discipling them too. What you do in secret is who you really are. And it needs to come out. You need to get help. Where do you go for help? Who's the only one that can help you? This is an easy one. This is like the classic answer. Who's the only one that can help you? Jesus! See? I'm trying to bring you out. There's happiness, there's joy to be had. I know, you're sad, you're looking at porn, you need help. Okay, let's move on. Okay, here's the help. Follow me, John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing! I wanted you to get the effect of it in my head. That's what I felt like when I read that. Nothing? Really? I can't be a dad? I can't stop this addiction? Yeah, Tim, nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. He's talking about a grapevine here and, and how we're the, the branches off, the big branch with Jesus. And he says, you remain in me. You walk in close fellowship with me. Or the other word, abide in me. You have this daily connection with me all throughout the day, not just once, not just in the morning, not just at that one minute before bed as you pray yourself to sleep. All day? Then, all of a sudden, there's going to be a love that you're going to receive from me that now is going to come through you to your children. Because you cannot love unless you feel the love from the Father. It just cannot happen. That's fake love. That's what it is. You cannot have joy. So many people, I think we're having fake joy because there's only one source of joy in this world, and that's from the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. So if you have a joy that's not from the Spirit, just call that fake joy. Fake peace. Because you know at night, when you lie down, the thoughts start to roll through the head. That shows where you're really at. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. What is your measure of success as a dad? That's what this message is about. The father's, daddy's measure of success is where your spiritual mind is at, connected with him. You know, I said my children are my letters of recommendation. Just look at them and you'll see me. God has given us recommendations from past people. You know what he said about Noah? He said, Noah walked with me. 
Noah walked Noah from, you know, the ark. Some of you looked at me weird. Okay, thumbs up. He built an ark, right? But for 483 years before he built that ark, you know what he did? He walked with God. And my first thought was, that's kind of boring. Because my time with God was kind of boring. My walk with God was kind of boring. But now that I've made it my goal that I'm fighting for this relationship to walk with him every day, somehow there's this love and there's this burning inside that starts. Even though I can't see him, I, there is this feeling that comes of joy and, and peace as I read the truth and as I acknowledge my mistakes. Like Walking with him is really important to God. That's what you should be fighting more. That's my measure of success of today. Am I walking with him? Because I know if I am, if that means to me abiding, walking, that's the same thing. When you say rain, remain in him there in the verse, when you abide in him, to me that's the same thing. If I am abiding in him today, he says, let's go back to that verse. He says, you will produce much fruit or will produce much fruit because it's the spirit producing the fruit in you. It's going to happen if you're abiding in him. It's like your heartbeat. You're going to stay alive as long as the heart goes boom, 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 right? Okay, when I think of boom, 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 I think of abide, abide, abide. The heartbeat of God is pumping through you now and the love of him is coming through your eyes and you're embracing your son, you're embracing your wife, you're embracing your daughter. You're saying, I love you. And that's father's love from our father in heaven. That's the kind of love you want to give your children. That's the kind of father... That's the measure we want to have as dads. So here's the test. If they were to describe you in one or two or one sentence, one or two words, one sentence, what would they say about you as a dad? What would they say about you? Because I have a, I have a reputation in Yembe. I have a reputation. God's telling me to slow down. A reputation here with you all. But what really matters is what my wife would say about me today in front of you. What would really matter is what my children would say about me. Because that's who I really am. So where are you at, dads, fathers? Don't be afraid to acknowledge your mistakes and fight Fight. If you're fighting for something, fight to have that walk with him every day. To abide so that he will produce the fruit through you. It's possible! Don't lose me here! I already see some of you looking down like, oh, this is not going to happen. Don't lose the faith. See, go and make disciples of all nations, that verse. The go part really spoke to me back when I was in my teens. So I went. Then make disciples. So I was making disciples. And then in Yembe, years later, it was to teach them everything. Well, you know, this past year, the Lord has really been revealing to me, Tim, I am with you always. I'm with you right now. I am here to talk to you. But this is normally what you do. And he's standing right there. He's right there. Meet with him today. Talk with him. That should be your measure of success. How is your walk with him? And enjoy it! There's joy to be had. I don't want you fake joy this life, guys, fathers. I want you to have the true joy from the Father. Let's pray.
Dad? I pray that all of us dads in here would abide with you today, that we'd walk with you today, that we would acknowledge our mistakes. I pray that the, the women and the children in our lives would be served by you and love through all of us dads, that all the doors would be open for the ladies as they walk out today. As men, a true father, we'd be loving and patient. I pray that none of us would get the participation award. I pray that we'd get the MVP that you will say, well done, good and faithful dad. We walked together, and I did it all through you. I pray that for all of us in your name. Amen.